Get your gear ready. This is a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. Here we go again. It's a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, a podcast dedicated to guiding you along your innovation expedition. This is Ben Tingey, Innovation Sherpa and your humble podcast host. I have the singular honor to welcome one of the newest Atrium Health teammates to our show today, Dr. Rasu Shrestha. Joining us is our new Chief Strategy Officer and Executive Vice President. Most recently, Dr. Shrestha was Chief Innovation Officer at UPMC and Executive Vice President of UPMC Enterprises. Rasu, welcome to Atrium Health and a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation podcast. Uh, thank you. It is an absolute honor for me to be here, and I really am so excited to be joining the team at Atrium Health. You cannot imagine how excited I am. And, and thank you for, um, for breaking me in with uh, this <laughs> inaugural podcast piece for me. And I'm, I'm really, really happy that uh, I'm, I'm chatting with you today. Excellent. I'm very excited. Well, the, the announcement of your hiring came with a lot of excitement and, and fanfare from Atrium Health and the Charlotte community. How did the welcome make you feel? Ah, uh, I I was overwhelmed. I really was. Um, and it's very humbling to get la- that level of enthusiasm um, and reception, even before having formally stepped on board um, at Atrium Health. I don't take that lightly. I, I understand the, the gravity of the situation, the responsibility that it comes with. But I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, you know, jumping straight in and getting to know uh, people at an individual level, the teams that are uh, that have made Atrium Health the great organization that it is today, and, and, and to quickly dive in even deeper and to try to see where we together might be able to take the organization as a whole. So really, really excited. Outstanding. We're excited to have you on board, and, and I'm thrilled to be speaking with you today. A quick note to our listeners, please subscribe to and share this podcast. You can also follow Razu on Twitter. We'll include his Twitter handle in the show notes and engage with us using the hashtag Innovation Engine. So this episode will serve as an introduction so we can learn a little bit more about you, Razu, through the stories that have defined your your life and career. And I'll I'll start with this uh, quote from the poet William Wordsworth. He said that, There are in our existence spots of time that with distinct preeminence retain a renovating virtue. And I look forward to hearing about some of those spots of time that stand out to you as as pivotal and and formative. And so to that end, we'll kick it off with kind of a fun design thinking warm-up question. So here we go. Fill in the blanks. I wanted to be a blank when I grew up. Now I'm a blank and they both blank. So what do you think, Rasu? I love that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I wanted to be a doctor for as long as I remember, right from my early childhood days. Anytime anyone would ask me, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was always a doctor. I want to be a doctor. Uh, So I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up. Now I'm a bridge builder is how I really <laughs> look at myself. I mean, you know, you, you could you could give it any title in terms of sort of professionally what I'm doing at any given point in time. But what I've grown up to be is what I see myself as, which is a bridge builder. And what they both have in common is 
you know, one builds on the other in one core attribute that I value the most. And that really is the power of what it means to be human and the power of these human connections that, you know, we need to try to continue to build upon whether you're a physician and you're affecting the life of patients and essentially impacting um, that human being on a one-on-one basis to what I'm doing now and we're perhaps doing collectively where we're bridge builders. I see, you know, this, this mandate ahead of us in terms of innovation and entrepreneurship and, and the strategizing the specifics of where, how we take healthcare from where it is to where it needs to be. It's really one of bridge building. And in many ways, it's, you know, it's connecting a passion with purpose, with a plan and, and taking it, you know, steadily forward. Uh, again, building on the very foundations of, uh, of medicine, even as a whole and the delivery of healthcare, but bridging the, that premise of, of what we've known forever uh, of medicine to be to technology done right, bridging it to business models and entrepreneurship done right, to culture change, to new care models, to meaningful partnerships and, and all. So you know, in many ways, uh, I see myself as a bridge builder and you know, I've jokingly told people that look, the reason I moved from sunny Los Angeles to uh, not so sunny Pittsburgh 11 and a half years ago um, at the start of my career at UPMC was because, you know, I see myself as a bridge builder and Pittsburgh <laughs> in many ways is also known as the city of bridges. That's right. Over 400 bridges, I think, or 40 bridges. But yeah, but, but that, that really is how I, how I see myself is really a bridge builder. Outstanding. Outstanding. So, Rasu, you mentioned this attribute of uh, a human connection and that's something that you strive for in, in your values. What experiences have shaped your values and, and belief and, um, and and how do your values manifest themselves in, in your leadership? You know, one of the things that I feel really fortunate to have experienced throughout my journey in, in, in this present lifetime, at least, is, uh, and it's, you know, it's really been out of my control in, in large parts, at least in the earlier parts of my life, is the fact that I've had the opportunity to live in different countries, different lands, different continents, experience, you know, different cultures, different religions. And, and this notion um, that we sort of distilled down to one word of diversity is, is something that I, I you know, I, I think very deeply about many times. And for me, diversity is not just, uh, you know, skin color and ethnicity and racial background. It, in many ways, it's really about the way that you think the way that different and diverse thought processes, approaches, uh, life experiences, what's worked, what's not worked, different levels of energies, all of these different elements essentially come together to create something that is oftentimes greater than any one of us. And, and so, you know, those life experiences where, you know, I've had the opportunity to, like I said, you know, live in different con- countries and continents, but also experience um, you know, many different ways of doing things, many different health systems. I, I think in many ways uh, that has uh, made me into how I look at things, who I am and how I look at things and, and have uh, carved out the very values and beliefs that I, I hold true to. And so, you know, things like empathy and, and compassionate leadership are very important to me. 
Um, I believe um, I believe that kindness is a strength, not a weakness. But at the same time, I'm you know very gung ho about getting stuff done. You know, I believe in structure and rigor and process and teamwork. You know, us sort of contributing collectively, as I mentioned earlier, to getting stuff done. And, and then the other element, I guess, just if, if I reflect back on just life experiences in general, is you know this notion of going from vision to execution um, is, is really important. And, and I emphasize both the vision aspect because you know, I see myself as, as a bit of a storyteller. And it goes back to um, my, my interest even as a child uh, wh- where you know, I, I love to paint and um, you know, I don't get too much time for that anymore. <laughs> art art and, and painting and, and drawing, whether it's watercolors or charcoal, is something that I used to love doing. And I carried that forward in medical school and anatomy lessons, and um, and uh, and then you know as a radiologist too, looking at imagery and, and and this this notion of leveraging graphics to tell stories that would otherwise you know be more difficult to perhaps comprehend or or get across. Uh, so there's that imagery aspect of you know, going uh, from vision to execution and, and, and then really sort of using that to build consensus and uh, to, to grow trust. And, and then, you know, more importantly, to make sure that we're able to steadily march towards a certain drum of, uh, again, getting stuff done. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Who have been some great mentors or influencers in your career and then why? Yeah, you know, I feel strongly that this journey through life is really a lifelong opportunity for us to continually learn, grow, and evolve, and and also to give back. Right? This, so this notion of influence and mentorship is something that I think about quite a bit. I have had the opportunity to interact with many different people, and, and in doing so, I purposefully try to learn from each and every one that I interact with. Um, and I see these as sort of opportunities to grow. So, you know, I see my influencers as many, from patients to innovators to entrepreneurs to, you know, folks well outside of the healthcare industry. Even. And if I were to name one uh, mentor that I hold at the highest levels, really, it, it's Dr. Jim Hall. He is um, a mentor extraordinaire for me, uh, just a remarkable human being, also a radiologist by background. He was uh, chair of the Department of Radiology at USC, which is where I was for a period of time in my career. He was chair there for, I think, 24 years, close to 25, really built the department from ground up. He's 87 years old today. Just had a conversation with him a couple of days ago, him and his wonderful wife, Mindy, Mindy Halls. And they both make me, you know, who I am today in so many different ways. They keep me grounded in the love that they have for each other, but also in Jim's vision, Dr. Halls' vision of building teams, of really addressing some of the core elements of the challenges of healthcare of uh, continuing to challenge the status quo. So, yeah, Jim Hall is like a father figure to me in many ways, but also a remarkable, remarkable mentor and uh, someone that, you know, I just hold to the highest esteem there. 
Excellent. Great example. Thank you. So, Rasul, you're, you're coming from the UPMC health system, which we have tremendous respect for as a premier institution. Tell us something that you accomplished there that you're particularly proud of. Yeah, so that's a great question and gives me uh, a wonderful opportunity to really sort of reflect back on the 11 plus years that I've uh, had the opportunity to spend in Pittsburgh. You know, I'd never... I'd never actually been to Pittsburgh before I'd started the job uh, or I'd accepted the position. I, I was recruited to Pittsburgh, and um, my initial reaction when I got that first call was, no way. You know, there's no way that I'm leaving Southern, Southern California. California to go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, you know, I fell in love with the organization there, much like how I fell in love with with Atrium Health, you know, in the first time that I that I that I visited here, and you know what I'm really proud of is how I've had the opportunity to help build out the, the innovation muscle from a footprint that essentially was you know was not there right at least formally um, initially to one today when I've left UPMC to where UPMC is a remarkable leader in in innovation and. Uh, and it's you know one of the top organizations really nationally in terms of innovation and its appetite around commercialization and entrepreneurship from zero essentially to about 280 uh, in the innovation team, and to be able to work with you know other remarkable leaders and colleagues in the organization to build all of that out has just been uh, you know just something that I'm just so proud of. So I'm leaving. The organization with a rich legacy of accomplishments and in a place where I, not just myself but really UPMC as a whole can be very proud of. And I'd, I'd say just to add to that, um, the other element that I'm really really proud of as well is has been sort of the culture that I've had the opportunity to um, build at the organization that is that UPMC. And, uh, and this culture of not just um, innovation, but also the culture of, you know, asking tough questions and being able to have that rigor to really go after these, um, these challenges and build out, you know, this, this organization that really today has had many accomplishments behind them as well. So, you know, the culture aspect is the other element that I've been very proud of. Terrific. Well, it sounds like you've really left your mark in Pittsburgh, and that's that's wonderful. And while you won't have quick access to a sandwich from Prementi Brothers anymore, um, and, and, uh, and now you're going to have to learn how to decipher Southern accents, but what, what excites you about this new opportunity looking forward, setting strategy at Atrium Health? Yeah, so I, oh my goodness, I'm so excited about so many different elements of what Atrium Health is today, right from their mission statement to the great impact that they're having across the community and across the region to the bold ambitions that Atrium Health has in terms of continual growth and uh, and, and continuing to sort of impact communities and, and lives. And that in many ways is what I'm most excited about is, you know, how real that impact is on the ground across the communities that Atrium Health serves to potentially how we might be able to take stellar examples of continuing to meaningfully impact you know lives at the at the community level. So you know I'm talking about not just patients but even consumers at this belief that 
you know, healthcare done right isn't just about patient-centered care. It really is about person-centered care. It's really looking across the continuum of care, but more broadly, well beyond the the, the bricks and mortar walls of the, the health system and the hospitals and the urgent care centers and all of that to where people eat, work, live, and play. And, and I believe that Atrium Health is so well positioned to make really meaningful strides and meaningful impact really across the community. And, and that's you know, one thing that really, really excites me about Atrium Health. That's great. That's great. So, Rasu, you'll be speaking at HIMSS very soon, uh, next week. Would you be willing to provide a, a quick teaser of your HIMSS presentation? Oh, gosh, yeah. So Hims is, oh, my goodness, I'm so excited about Hims. I, I, you know, I'm the, I'm the chair of innovation for, for Hims. I'm also on the board of directors for Hims, And it's one organization that I believe has not just the right people going to it, and it really is big and oftentimes can be quite chaotic, but it's also an organization that has uh, a lot of impact across health IT, both nationally as well as internationally. And so this year, I, I'll be involved in a number of different things. I'm most excited about the HIMSS Innovation Symposium, which is going to be on Monday, February 11th. And as the chair, I've had the opportunity to really work with tremendous innovators and others that are part of the innovation committee and more broadly uh, across the industry to really pull together a, a program that I believe is really rich. And you know, this year, we're going to be talking about how we're taking we as collectively the industry and in specific examples of innovators and organizations and companies, how we're taking innovation from uh, where it's been to where it needs to be. So innovation for impact. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about best practices and next practices for uh, the higher performance innovators and, and organizations. So very excited about that. And I'll be involved in a number of things right from the um, the opening to the closing. Uh, the opening is going to be really interesting there with uh, a remarkable fireside chat uh, with myself and the head of HealthBox, which is now part of HIMSS as well. And uh, the closing, uh, we're going to have uh, another remarkable conversation with the chief technology and innovation officer of HIMSS, myself, and uh, also the chief strategy officer for New York Presbyterian. So really excited about that. And there'll be a number of other programs throughout the week, including an inaugural pharma forum. So, you know, with the advent of tremendous activities in the space of pharma, uh, I believe that there are remarkable opportunities to bring together health IT, and the ambitions as well as the capabilities and the data elements that pharma traditionally looks at and really pull together a culmination of capabilities that should get great airtime at a conference like HIMSS. So this is going to be an inaugural HIMSS Pharma Forum that I'll be keynoting out there as well and, uh, and essentially running um, most of the show for the, for the afternoon. So lots of great things going on at HIMSS. It's going to be another busy one, but one that I'm going to be really proud of because I'm going to be wearing uh, the Atrium Health flag going into HIMSS and representing Atrium Health and, and really contemplating how we bring together the most meaningful partnership with the many folks that do attend HIMSS in bringing and bringing those partnerships back to Atrium Health and trying to take our specific interests uh, to the very next level with these meaningful partnerships. 
Very exciting. Sounds like it's going to be a blast. Yeah. So, Rasu, your previous role was Chief Innovation Officer at UPMC, and your new role is Chief Strategy Officer, though you'll work at the intersection of strategy and innovation. What is different today in our industry from, say, five years ago that makes that intersection of strategy and innovation so indispensable? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's really interesting how we've evolved as an industry. I think in many ways we've matured as an industry and we've um, come to terms with this notion of not just doing digital, which is what we've been doing for the last, let's say, you know, decade, two, three, depending on where you are in, in the maturity of embracing digital. So it's not just about doing digital. It really is about being digital, which is where we are today, which is where as we you know, veer into 2020 and beyond, we need to have as our mindset. So doing digital is about moving from analog to digital. And in many ways, even culturally and the way that we did things, we, we thought about things was we went from files and folders to, you know, e-folders and e-files from film, speaking as radiologists, to e-film or you know, digital film. But the notion of of doing of, of not just doing digital, but really being digital is about, you know, how do we think in zeros and ones? How do we represent not just data, uh, but information and knowledge and insights and these nudges that are the premise of behavior change in ways that only digital can influence and represent. And, and so, so it's really interesting how, you know, just that premise onto itself in many ways affects this notion of where we are today. And as I look at this role of strategy and, and how it overlaps with innovation, you know, it brings to mind the multiple different eyes that have been a part of the many things that I've, you know, experienced and, uh, you know, throughout my career. So from imaging to interoperability to informatics to innovation to investment to all of these different eyes, as it so happens, are now all coming together into what I see as, as a strategic imperative for us as a healthcare industry to say, all right, look, how do we bring all these components together to take advantage of where we are today as an industry, which is you know, capitalize on these digital assets, really push forward the conversation of what healthcare should look like, not just what it's been in the last, not just a couple of decades of us rolling out these digital solutions, but for centuries at a time, where it's been very paternalistic to where it needs to be, which I believe is a lot more participatory. And so in evolving set of roles that I've had, plus where I am today as, as the guy, um, you know, trying to pull strategy together and bring the multiple components together, tries to really build off of those components and really excited about the, the road ahead. Well, speaking of uh, digital, uh, if anyone has followed your Twitter account for the last little bit, they will see that you are part of the Pink Socks tribe. So tell us uh, how you joined the Pink Socks tribe and, and what it means to you. Yeah. Hashtag Pink Socks, <laughs> one word, right, with, with an S at the end, too. So it's really interesting. I, I, I believe I was, you know, one of the uh, earlier folks to have joined the Pink Socks movement, and it's now a global movement. It's really interesting with, um, I believe, over 40,000 innovators and patients and entrepreneurs and leaders uh, just globally that are, are proud to call themselves to be part of the Pink Sox movement. 
And, and for me, you know, the, the movement really symbolizes um, what I'd mentioned right at the beginning, which is this notion of the power of human connection. So when I'm on the stage, maybe giving a keynote or part of a, a, a discussion, I oftentimes uh, try to remember to wear my pink socks. And, and it's interesting, people look at me and say, all right, everything checks out, but what's with the socks? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and when, and I love it when people ask me that because that's the moment, right? It's, that's the moment that the pink socks, you know, lives up to the hype, which is, you know, it has connected me to that individual that, that just asked me that question. And, and that's the moment of these two human beings connecting and having a conversation and talking about the power of human connection and empathy and how, you know, as much as we dream and as much as we put together term sheets and business plans and ideate and go through design thinking sessions and start companies, you know, we, we do all of that and so much more, but we achieve nothing if two human beings or more are not able to come together in the most meaningful ways and together as human beings really explore the notion of what it means to build trust, to work together, to really go after these passionate projects together. So that's what Pink Shocks really um, uh, you know, stands out for me as in terms of meaning. And I'm excited to be uh, part of the Pink Shocks tribe. Beautifully said. Thank you, Rasu. Maybe this will be our last question. This should be a fun one. What books have you been reading lately? I, I have had the opportunity, at least in the last couple of weeks, of having a bit of a downtime, although not quite because this preparation of transitioning from one role to another has been quite hectic. But uh, in that time, I've had the opportunity of really um, you know, consuming a, a number of different books. Uh, there, there are several, and I won't go into too much detail. Bad Blood. Uh, and, I just finished uh, that one. read that. Did you? Yeah, yeah so remarkable. good. And it's, it's a bit of a heavy read, but, uh, but just remarkable. So uh, John uh, Carrier just, you know, writes about, uh, I think it's titled and Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. So remarkable, uh, the tale of Theranos and, you know, how I think, you know, a cautionary tale of how we need to make sure that, you know, we don't just get inundated with the hype that exists not just in Silicon Valley, but really in the industry as a whole. Uh, another quick reference to a book that I, I'm actually consuming right now and just about finishing up, uh, and it's by Tom Friedman, the author of The World is Flat. And this particular book is titled, Thank You for Being Late. Yeah, and it's really interesting because the title itself makes you think and, and the book uh, makes you go so much deeper into this notion of thriving in the age of uh, acceleration. The book that I'm, you know, I'm really, really happy that I consumed in the last week or so is a book titled Citizenville, and it's by Gavin Newsom, who is the new governor in California. And Citizenville is um, about uh, how to take the town square digital and reinvent government. So it really is about government. And, uh, and Gavin Newsom looks at this from the premise of when he was the mayor of San Francisco and clearly he's now the governor. And, and it's really interesting, the, the uncanny things that I could uh, you know, directly take from how government is thinking about leveraging digital and utilizing the many things that uh, we have now come to accept as the norm 
in today's society, platforms and apps and cloud and Angry Birds, you know, you name it, um, and, and, and how that then relates to healthcare, which is what I was thinking as I was consuming this book uh, about government. So really interesting, Citizenville, uh, a very, very much a worthy read by Gavin Newsom, which I think is a, 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 just a great leader as well. Oh, fascinating and, and very eclectic list. Very cool. Well, Rasu, I'm I'm very grateful for your time and, and generosity of joining me on the podcast. It was great to get to know you better and to introduce you to our team internally as well as to the greater public as uh, as you join Atrium Health very soon. So welcome to your inaugural Sherpa's Guide Innovation podcast episode, hopefully the, the first of very many. So thank you so much. Thanks very much. And a special thanks to our listeners. We appreciate your support, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Rasu. That was that was excellent. All right, all right. I enjoyed Very it. Very fun. Thank you. Great questions. Told you, fun. I did. I did. Thank you. Thank Great. you, both of you.